This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, San Diego, we're coming for you. But where is the National Lacrosse League going next? Before we get to the NLL, we have a Man Cup National Championship to play for. And the St. Albert Miners, well, they are two-time back-to-back President Cup champions. All that more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud. My name is Teddy Jenner. Welcome to the show. If you want to get a hold of me, super simple, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. It was a crazy week. Just not crazy as in holy crap, but just crazy as in, okay, let's get the ball moving here. We have a new National Lacrosse League team on the West Coast. The NLL announced Joe Sy, Steve Govett, Josh Gross, and everybody we kind of already knew is going to San Diego. We'll talk to Steve Govett. We'll ask him some questions. Some hard, some soft. Maybe get a laugh out of him or two. But he'll join us in a few minutes. Curtis Dixon of the Peterborough Lakers are heading back to the Man Cup. Superman's second trip to a Canadian National Lacrosse Championship for the Senior A Division. He'll join us as well. I'm going to ask him if he would have rather been playing the Maple Ridge Berards, the team that he used to suit up for in the WLA. Of course, the Man Cup gets going Friday night from Queen's Park Arena. All the games pay-per-view via play full screen. Brandon Astle and Brad Challoner will have all the action for you from QPA. Remember, two games, day off, three games, day off, two games, the last three, if necessary. And that will be the last Canadian National Box Championship of the summer. I think the last CLA-sanctioned event of the year is the Men's Field Lacrosse Championship. I think it's the Ross Cup. I think that's what it's called. Um, They just had the uh, Youth Nationals uh, shout-out to Team BC U15s. They won gold medal over Ontario. Um, The reason I mention that team is it's a lot of the kids that I coached uh, in the Juan Fuca system when we won the Pee Wee Nationals a few years ago. So uh, awesome to see that group of kids, both the JDF guys and some of the kids from Coquitlam um, and Poco and Maple Ridge and that whole age group. Um, is going to be a very talented group in the years to come. Um, Tyler Pace was helping out with them, as was Ian Radnovich, uh, two good guys uh, from the Coquitlam area that have really put their time and effort into helping grow the youth game and the box game um, with that age group. Uh, and they've done a very nice job with that group and leading them to a national championship of the field game. So congratulations to all of them. Um, and I mentioned... The St. Albert Miners, uh, they won the President's Cup over the weekend. Back-to-back for the boys from St. Albert's. And this is um, a growing trend we're starting to see. Uh, Jake Elliott said it on Twitter, uh, you know, don't sleep on Alberta. It's true. We've seen it all summer long, just the progress of Alberta lacrosse. 
and the closing of that gap that I continually say here on this show. And I'm excited for 2018 and to see what Alberta lacrosse can do. We talked about um, the Minto next year, how it's going to be in Alberta, and how Alberta has a 50% more chance of winning a game against a non-Alberta team of a chance of getting to that semifinal, a chance to getting to the finals now that they have two of the four teams in the tournament. And how that, well, maybe it might not be as fruitful as we think because there are a lot of graduating players from sort of the top teams in the Rocky Mountain League. But at the same time, it opens up that door for not only those teams to recruit players, but players to maybe take a summer off and from Ontario or BC, spend a summer in Alberta, maybe spend a summer in Saskatchewan, and get a chance to play for a Minto Cup. Uh, we've seen what Alberta has done uh, at the midget national level as they knocked off Ontario in uh, one of the upsets of the summer. Uh, we've just seen the Miners go back-to-back in the President's Cup, which is massive considering all the talent that are on some of those uh, senior B teams coming out of Ontario and Quebec and the native leagues. So shout out to all the boys on the minors because that is just a phenomenal feat. And again, to do it back-to-back years with that group that they had, uh, John Lintz, Keegan Ball, uh, just two of the names um, that lacrosse fans, NLL lacrosse fans might recognize. And what a summer it was for those guys. So a great way to end the year for them. That leaves us just with one more national championship to decide, and that is the Man Cup. We'll talk to Curtis Dixon momentarily. But the focus right now is going to be on the National Lacrosse League. And we've talked about the NLL making the progress west. And it is a market that they need to not only be in, but find a success in. And... They've tried it before. They've gone up and down the West Coast and they've yet to really find a true foothold. But now, Nick Sakevich, I truly believe he has found himself an owner that will open the gateway to the West. Cronky Sports, Steve Govett in Denver really opened up the first door, but we haven't been able to get past the west coast of the Rocky Mountains. It hasn't worked in Anaheim. It didn't work in San Jose. Portland struggled. Everett, while successful winning a championship, struggled. And the Vancouver Stealth, struggling. So what does Joe Sy bring that all the others didn't? I said this when I was on uh, Lack Sportsnet, once the news came out, they asked me the exact same question. What's the difference? And the simple answer is money. And yes, money's not the end of all things, but it, and some say it's the root of all evil. But for the National Lacrosse League to get a supposed $5 million check from Joe side to bring a team into the National Lacrosse League, that's huge. That is the most money that the league has ever seen from one entity. And I didn't think that expansion fees were that high. 
They jumped from one and a half, and I thought they were probably around the three million dollar mark. I was one and a half was kind of where my ballpark was, and then I thought, okay, maybe you know what? If Nick Sakevich is going to push this league the way he wants to, a three million dollar price tag might be pretty good. But when I heard the number five million, I was quickly taken aback, gasped as I did. And I think that's awesome for the National Lacrosse League. To have an owner that is able to write a check for five mil, wants to build an arena in San Diego, wants to be a sports entertainment faction, much like Cronky Sports or Pagula Sports or um, the Edmonton Oilers Sports Organization, what the Calgary Flames have done, all these conglomerations of deep-pocketed owners owning multiple sports franchises. And that is what Josiah wants to do. And his first step, his initial building block of his future-endeavored empire will be the National Lacrosse League and the soon-to-be-named San Diego team. We don't know what they're going to be. I can guarantee you it's not going to be the San Diego Burgundies or the Anchorman. And I will stay far away from Anchorman references, even though it is a fantastic movie. I again have to agree with Jake, or disagree this time with Jake Elliott. It's not a top three movie. If that's one of your top three movies, Jumbo, first of all, I want to know what your top two are. It'll be interesting to see, but getting off the point. The National Cross League being on the West Coast is imperative. And having an owner like Joe Sy and having a president like Steve Govett and a guy behind the scenes like Josh Gross is an incredible launching point for this new endeavor. And I can't wait to see what they do. They've already done a ton of media and events and gotten the name out in the local area. And I'm excited to see what comes next from this group. Earlier in the day, I caught up with the president of the soon-to-be-named San Diego National Cross League Club, Steve Govett. And the first question I asked him was, who's responsible for coordinating the Steve Govett World Tour Media Circus. Give all the credit in the world to Josh Gross, who uh, worked tirelessly um, for the last month or so of yeah. putting this together. He was uh, he was fantastic, and and a guy named Rick Schloss, who is uh, he's a San Diego fixture uh, in the PR world, works with the casino. Uh, center, the Valley View Casino Center, and mm-hmm. he and Josh Gross just put together a great, a great plan, and and uh, you know it worked out well. We talked about doing a press conference and all that fun stuff where you, you know, everybody comes to you, and mm-hmm. you don't get the full coverage opportunity. And this way, we were able to kind of go to everyone. Yeah. So it was real. It was genius, and uh, we got everything we possibly could have hoped for out of that event, and. Uh, so now it's up to us to, to capitalize on it. But uh, super things, Teddy, have happened yeah. since then. You know, like tons of – we're at about 1,000 season tickets sold already. Um, so we're – it paid off. 
So yeah. the stuff that we did all day was was uh, was fantastic, but the market has responded. Yeah, and I was giving my next question. Was it as received as well as you thought it would be? I, I think it was received in a much, much bigger way than I anticipated. Nice. I I thought we would do a, a, a nice press con you know, a nice press event and we'd get press and then we'd have, you know, a lot of effort and work to do and but just this overwhelming response from the lacrosse community mm-hmm. and from the media, um, you know, and people that are excited about a new sport coming to town. They yeah. don't know much about lacrosse but they're excited about that and and then there's this overwhelming groundswell of support for our owner and and Josai and um, you know super super exciting. But you know to see see the season ticket deposits come sailing in over the course of the the week last week when we launched, and then yeah. you know throughout the uh, throughout the weekend over Labor Day, I mean people got lots of good you know fun family stuff that they're doing, but they took the time out to seek out the you know, the San Diego NLL franchise and put season ticket deposits down, you know what? That in and of itself was just outstanding. So to be at the number that we're at today, you know, like the Colorado Mammoth had 3,500 season tickets the first year when we launched. Right. Um, And that was with, you know, three months to sell. And this has been, you know, 72 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is Bill Walton already put down a deposit? Oh, he'll be there. He'll be there game one. What a great guy. Great that was guy. a crazy connection. Um, he's a Pac-12 guy, so he yeah. supports the Pac-12 and basketball and everything yeah. they do. And, and Joe and and Bill are acquaintances, friends hmm. from the uh, Alibaba sponsorship of the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, so there's a connection there. Certainly Joe is a uh, obviously a well-connected guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bill Walton... Uh, we met with Bill Walton about two months ago, a month and a half ago, and had dinner with him and talked about a lot of stuff. And, and he's, wow. an, he's an icon in San Diego sports. He went yeah. to high school, was born in San Diego, went to high school in San Diego, but is really well connected with what's called the Sports Innovators mm-hmm. and a group in San Diego that, that is helping sports entrepreneurs launch their businesses and, and grow their businesses and get funding and do a bunch of stuff in San Diego. It's uh uh, he's well connected with some of the guys that were formerly from Nike and and Reef, which is they make flip flops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so super well connected in this in the sports world and the San Diego Sports Commission and uh, yeah, just a ton of of really great connections for us and and Bill's been a good friend. You've talked about Josiah a number number of times, and obviously he's the name that kind of perks everybody's ears up once they kind of realize. Uh, who he is and what his connections are, not only to the lacrosse world, but to the, the sports business world. Um, when you first told us and when we were at the Mammoth a few months ago, you said that this guy was going to change a lot of things for the National Lacrosse League. What did you mean by that, and what does he bring to the NLL? Well, I think the the word I used was a transformational owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he, is, he is a guy that, um, you know, obviously – he has a great passion for the sport of lacrosse, and and that it starts and ends with with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the the number of people that he's very well connected with, you know, throughout um, just the finance world and the e-commerce yeah. world, yeah. and the ability for us to distribute the content of our sports internationally, whether it be in China or beyond, in back into the U.S. 
um, internationally in North America and, and the things and the people that he has, you know, relationships with and connections with, I think in lacrosse, um, you know, he's becoming very well known as, as a, a massive supporter for the game, certainly mm-hmm. in Hong Kong and Taiwan in their representative teams. Um, but his support of Yale lacrosse, uh, and his support of the game. I mean, he loves the game. And, and so I think when you talk about how this sport can transform, and I've been kind of at the forefront of many discussions and saying we need to grow the footprint, we need to grow the game to critical mass, we need to introduce it beyond its current borders, yeah. not just here in the, in the U.S. and North America, but outside that. And, and we need to – lacrosse needs to become – a household word like football, basketball, and baseball, and and hockey, and mm-hmm. it needs to. People need to recognize it when it's launched in a city like San Diego, and the response is what it is. A people that knew what it was was great, but to being in the lexicon for people to that that it's it's a completely recognizable sport for indoor lacrosse, and people understand what the NLL is. Joe Ty is a guy that's. Uh, that's going to give us the opportunity to to spread that gospel. And that was the the one thing that that kind of worried me. And, and there was that I think it was a Fox Sports uh, interview of two guys that were talking about what the NLL means to the San Diego market. Does that mean the return of the NFL? Does it mean the NBA coming? And they were talking about lacrosse, and then they had kids who had played it, but they were in their minds that they were talking field lacrosse. How do we get that San Diego lacrosse culture? It has a, a pretty solid lacrosse base now how do we get them out of thinking that this is going to be field lacrosse like and focus them on what indoor lacrosse is going to be yeah i think the you know the the thing that i said throughout last week is just spell lacrosse right like spell it with two s's you know mm-hmm. and and that's the start ted i don't think we can ask people to understand or fathom what indoor lacrosse is today never having been exposed to it mm-hmm. but i can tell you that you know, in Colorado, it was the same thing. I mean, people, they were exposed to outdoor lacrosse. They knew they loved it. Right. Uh, and then we exposed the game not only to those lacrosse consumers, those lacrosse-specific and endemic consumers that, that we all know and love and need to be able to be successful in markets like Denver and, and San Diego and, and even, you know, Saskatchewan when they mm-hmm. launched there. There were a lot of people that knew they've heard of lacrosse, but they had never seen it in its national lacrosse league format and i think it's just it takes effort and it takes grassroots efforts and it takes you know the the spirit of what we've done for 15 years in colorado where we launched in school programs and we showed videos and with social media nowadays to be able to continue to drive the video and and the visual concept home to the consumers that are coming into you know a new market or a new consumption possibility with with indoor lacrosse in San Diego, you know it it just takes effort and mm-hmm. and it takes money and it takes time and energy and it takes people that are are spreading the word and disciples and and I continue to say people that, that use the hashtag or, or you grow the game mm-hmm. I think. I think it's a fallacy if you don't drive it out beyond its current borders and don't just drive, you know, the the visual product that we have, the fantastic visual product that we have has to go beyond uh, the, the current structure of the game. The current pie has to grow. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I think what's represented with 
you know, new owners like that, new owners that are talking about coming into the league, people that are excited about the product and the platform. And I think we have to continue to drive that story home and the narrative has to be continued to be progressed uh, with people in San Diego. So I wouldn't be discouraged that they had a kid or they had somebody that played. That's a good thing because that's the germination of, of an exciting start because our product sells itself. Absolutely. Once you get it in the eyeballs of people um, that enjoy other versions of the sport, I think people, obviously the world is opening up way beyond where it may have been even 15, 20 years ago where indoor lacrosse was this bastardization of the game. Mm-hmm. It's not the case anymore. People are falling in love with indoor lacrosse. There's tons. U.S. Boston are doing the job that they're doing. People mm-hmm. are falling in love with the indoor version of the game with all the college coaches saying, you need to play it to be the best. Yeah. You spoke of, of new ownership and um, having owners that have visions like Joe Sy does. I was rather shocked to hear that the, the expansion price was $5 million. And I never really saw that from the National Acrostic. That was more in the Bloomberg articles and some of the news that came out of the San Diego area. When did it jump that high? Well, it's not for me to comment at this point yeah. in time on how much yeah. somebody spent on a team. So I think we'll just leave that question at that. I think that the timing of 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 everything is interesting. I, I'm excited for the growth. I'm excited for the for what people are seeing the value of our teams and our franchises and our league in the, in the growth, uh, you know, the growth trajectory of, of lacrosse and um, in and amongst the 40 people prospects that, that I know, you know, the league office is cultivating. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's exciting to be a part of, of where this league is going. Fair enough. I respect that. Um, So what's the biggest challenge for you now? Uh, What's the next process for, for Steve Govett? for Josh Gross, for Joe Sy, for the San Diego National Lacrosse League Club? Yeah, I think, you know, once you get through the launch, right, the, all the effort and energy was put into a launch event that we thought went very well. We talked about right. that already. I think now the hard work starts in, in finding good people to surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire 30 people over the course of the next year before we play a game. Awesome. Uh, many of them will be in the next, you know, three to four months by January 1st. You know, we'll be focused on on bringing on a number of people in our ticket sales department. That's the number one focus. That's why we wanted the launch pad of, you know, a year and a half before the season starts, before our, our 2018 launch date. And we've got a whole mm-hmm. brand new season. We're going to be bringing people all over the country to watch games. I'm going to be taking San Diego business leaders on planes, yep. and, and we're going to be taking them to back to Denver to watch games. Uh, we're going to be going to some of the, the great markets in this in this league to show them what the product is, and, and, and media members, media members from San Diego. We're going to put them yep. on planes, and we're going to take them to places to show them the great product. Obviously, you know, using the vehicle that is NLL TV mm-hmm. and and. and you know, putting those products into those people's living room and onto their devices to be able to look at, at the product. That's, you know, that's first and foremost introducing the game to as many people as we can. That's number one. And obviously, like I said, hiring, getting good people in the building, you know, uh, launching a logo and a, and a brand and a jerseys and, yeah. and all the, the brand imagery that kind of goes with that. Uh, you know, that's probably a, a priority for us at this point. Uh, but like I said, hiring good people, corporate sponsorships, and, and already yeah. started. Um, I'm pretty excited. I think we're close to uh, just in the first week, close to signing a, 
a major sponsorship for a naming right and, and you know a, a jersey sponsorship so mm-hmm. you know we're we're moving things along very quickly but i think that's what you know we're going to have certain touch points throughout the year to get people excited uh the search starts now for a general manager i won't be the general manager of this <laughs> team yeah. i have to focus on a number of things um outside and on the business level to, yeah. to be able to make this team a success so the on the floor product will be somebody that uh that I'm going to be searching for, for in a general manager, the head coach position, you know, yeah. the assistant coaching positions, and all the team ops positions, right? The, yeah. the uh, finding the right people for, you know, equipment management, and yeah, training, yeah, yeah. And, and all, you know, athletic training, all that stuff. And then, you know what? One of the most important um, group that we're going to hire is our broadcast team. Yeah, that was that was even my next question for you. <laughs> I knew it would, but the broadcast <laughs> team and yeah. making you know making this a, a destination for people to watch our games, having people like yourself that understand the game, that call it uh, as a serious product, and not just uh, you know somebody that has watched field across their whole life and trying to make them you know look at things differently and, and getting yeah. good quality color people and and uh, somebody that can continue to tell the narrative and tell the story of the National Cross League and the San Diego team in, in the best possible light. So lots and lots of work yeah, to absolutely. do, lots and lots of touch points. Um, very excited as we kind of get started. But uh, right now, it's a focus on hiring good people, whether that yeah. be in the business side or the team side. So before we let you go, what does San Diego have going for it that maybe Denver didn't have? And what does it have that Denver didn't have? Um, well, it's got palm trees. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. It's got an ocean. Yeah. Um, no, look, I, I think it's an it's an interesting market. It's a place where, and I don't want to pretend that San Diego National Cross League can replace the San Diego Chargers. That would be irresponsible of me to say mm-hmm. that. But yeah. in the, in that same context, the Padres are the only major team, major league team there and the Padres have been fantastic to us but they're a summer based team obviously yeah we won't cross over on their schedule except maybe in eight months of April May and let's hope June but you know the hockey team uh in in the Valley View Casino Center the, the San Diego Gulls in the AHL are, are mainly you know our only uh competition and we play in the same building but we won't be playing at home at the same time mm-hmm. so opportunity in the marketplace I think, you know, we don't have a ton of competition. Um, there's always competition for consumer dollars, right? And they can go yeah. do other things. They can go to the movies. They can go bowling. They can go to the beach. They can do all sorts of stuff in San Diego. But for entertainment, affordable team-based sports entertainment in the marketplace, we mm. don't have a lot of noise in the marketplace. And that's a good thing. I think a history in San Diego of an apathetic sports market you know, that's probably what's a, what's a challenge. You know, you yeah, come to yeah. Denver, and Denver has, you know, four major sports teams. They have a number of college teams. They have a number of, of you know, noise in the marketplace about the sports market. But there's a reason why sports succeed here, mm-hmm. and that's because it's a great sports market and it's a ton of fun to be around. Uh, you know, great weather in San Diego, right? But that, mm-hmm. that breeds other opportunities for people to do other things in the marketplace. So I think it goes both ways. I think it cuts across a lot of things. What I will say is in the short period of time that we've had our opportunity to kind of get our boots on the ground and start to plant the flag in San Diego is yeah. the, the market there, the business market is 
so supportive of bringing sports to the marketplace. The mayor mm-hmm. has been awesome. The, mm-hmm. the the county commissioner Ron Roberts. The you know there's just a lot of decision makers in the city of San Diego have embraced us and have said whatever you need. And so, and the media same way. So they're going to cover us. And I think that's, you know, that's a huge help from the, you know, kind of um, non-advertising opportunity. We're going to get editorial, um, you know, backing. And that hasn't happened. That didn't happen in Colorado. You know, we had a little bit with the Denver Post, but that backed away. The Rocky Mountain News went away. Mm -hmm. But, man, have we gotten such great support from the business community. Hotels reaching out to us want to be a partner. You know, breweries, like the the craft brew world down there is is reaching out and saying, hey, we want to be a part of what you're doing. You know, just the the Valley View Casino Center and all their partners, and and just that's been in the, it's been amazing what's happened in in this short period of time since we launched, but super good people that are reaching out and want to be supportive. So, um, not saying that didn't happen in Colorado. We had a machine in Cronky Sports that was able to get the word out easily yeah. and quickly, and we're going to have to build that network in San Diego. That's something mm-hmm. we don't have and needed the 16 months to be able to do it. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. There he is, Steve Govett, president of the San Diego Cross Club. Again, no name, no colors, no brand. But all that is coming very soon. And I'm excited to see what the rollout for all that is going to be because... Watching what Steve did with the Mammoth and all of the events that they did and all the hype that they were able to build, I'm excited for what is to come from San Diego. You heard him say that, you know, they're going to be hiring 30 staff. It's probably going to be one of the biggest staffs in all of the NLL, and they won't even have played a game yet. And again, this is just kind of the new era of the NLL and how Nick Sakevich wants his organizations and his teams and his franchises run. Proper ticket sales staff, first and foremost, get the buzz out, get people involved in buying tickets. Behind the scenes people, uh, you, you heard him, GM, head coach, a director of player personnel and operations, all those little things that go into making lacrosse club successful He's got to go out and find all those people now. And I know and can guarantee you there's already a lineup of people wanting to be involved in that organization. And the lineup is starting at Govett's door. People have their resumes out. They have their cover letters ready, polishing up, spick and span with the demo tapes. Everything they can do from broadcasters to general managers to prospective players. Everybody is going to be knocking on Steve's door trying to get involved and a part of that franchise. And I do not blame them at all because it is going to be a new day once that organization hits the ground running. And we've talked about what Steve did in Colorado and making that one of the flagships of the NLL. Expect nothing less once he launches that team in San Diego. So the question now becomes, what's next? And again, as we've often talked about, everybody sort of knows what's next. And that's Philadelphia. And we don't know the date, but I would think 
that you might just be hearing a Philadelphia announcement before we get to the NLL draft, which goes next and or two Mondays from now, or yeah, two Mondays from now. I don't, I, I don't have any proof of that. I just have a hunch that something's coming soon. And Marissa and Jemmy posted it on her um, College Cross article back in July that San Diego and Philly were going to be the first two teams. Uh, we've seen San Diego come to fruition. Uh, there's nothing that doubts my mind that Philadelphia is going to be next. Jake Elliott mentioned it the other night on Stealth Classified with Brad Chowner. And all reports suggest that Philadelphia will be the 12th, sorry, the 11th team in the National Cross League which unfortunately gives us an unbalanced schedule again. However, the NLO may not be done. We may see more teams. There's talks of Halifax and Miami. Obviously, Edmonton wants, people want Edmonton to come back and Minnesota. But baby steps. And I said this uh, on Twitter the other week. I'm okay with the National Lacrosse League expanding by two teams for the 2018-2019 season. I'm fine with that. What I don't want is I don't want it to be four teams by 2018-2019 because you're almost having to double the entire player pool in one for one season or in one season. And I'm worried... Are there a ton of lacrosse players out there? Absolutely. Are there a ton of really talented lacrosse players out there? Most definitely. But are there enough pro-caliber players of all positions, especially goaltenders, to be able to, you know, if they add four teams, are there four legit starters out there? Are there eight legit goaltenders out there? Are there... What's 80, call it, players that can be starting roster players. There is a ton of talent out there. But if we're going to continue this upward trend, we can't go too fast too quickly. We saw that in the Jim Jennings days in the early 2000s when they jumped all the way from, I think, 9 to 13 teams or 10 to 13 teams. And while there were some great talent, there were some players in the league that probably shouldn't have been in the league. And that's concerning because you don't want to water down the talent pool and start bringing in, you know, senior C guys or beer league guys that have never really played true box lacrosse, true indoor lacrosse, and have the product deteriorate because the product on the floor, Steve Govett said himself is the best part of this league and of this sport is what the guys do on the floor between the boards. And if you start watering that down, it takes away from the effectiveness of the product. So if Philadelphia is the next team to come in, which I truly believe it is, I would love to see the National Lacrosse League stop right there. Sure, you have you'd have five and six 
east to west, but we've been dealing with an uneven number of teams for the past few years. I'm okay with that. I don't mind that. That's not that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is if they, you know, add a third team maybe out west to make it six and six with a twelve team league, is that now you're having to add sixty players to the National Lacrosse League. I just don't know if there's that many guys out there that can play at a high enough level to keep the product as high as it has been over the past few years because the National Lacrosse League is as as good as it has been ever right now. The talent in this league right now is as good as it has ever been, and it's getting better every year with more kids coming through the NCAA system and being more mature having played four years of college, one or two years of senior A-ball, and then get drafted into the National Lacrosse League. Josh Byrne, perfect example. He is going to take the NLL by storm. He's going to be the number one pick. And he's going to be more ready than he would have been four years ago had he not gone to the NCAA. So, we need to be patient. We need to build the teams that are coming in. Let them have that 18-month or whatever it's going to be. Uh, I guess technically now if the season's going to be starting in December, that's 15 months of buildup for these new clubs. That is a lot of time. But I think we just need to stop right there. Give us two. Let those two teams build their roots, build a fan base, build some momentum, build some noise, stabilize Georgia, stabilize Vancouver, take care of some of the other franchises that are trying themselves to get their heads above water. And then a couple more years down the road, then you can add a couple more teams. I just don't want to see us in 10 years be a 30-team league. You're almost tripling not only the size of the league, but tripling the player pool. And there are not that many players out there. But with the growth of U.S. Boxla, with CCBLL, with all these groups trying to properly grow the indoor game, yes, we can build the player pool. But we have to do it slowly and properly and with the right people in charge. And we just, we can't be too quick to expand because we saw what happened in the early 2000s and all that led to was franchises folding, franchises moving, and the decline of the NLL in the grand scheme of the sports world. So let's be patient and let's be excited for what's to come. Because I am. Not only is San Diego going to be great, but if the rumors are true that they are going back to Philadelphia, cheesesteak sales are going to skyrocket. Because that was one of the best parts. Going to Legends Bar and then hitting up Geno's or Saul's or Reggie's or Tony's or whatever they are now for a cheesesteak. I heard that Geno's was, you know, the place that everybody always said, oh, if you want to you want a cheesesteak, go to Gino's. It's the best cheesesteak in town. But what I heard was that's just a tourist trap to get you away from the really good cheesesteaks that are like a couple blocks down the road. So I think John Grant knows the best places to go, being a Delaware guy. 
But for what it's worth, I love a good cheesesteak. So, hopefully Philadelphia comes back. Uh, that will be huge. Um, if, if they do come back, and I've had this conversation with a few other people, I'm interested to see who the ownership group is. Because as long as we've known about San Diego, we've known that Joe Sy was going to be involved. Like, for months. Like, I've known since late May, early June. Uh, the Njemi article came out in July. And, you know, so that's four, three, four months of knowing what this group was going to be. We don't know anything about this prospective Philadelphia group. And that excites me and worries me at the same time. I don't really know where it's going to go. Uh, most obvious would be to go into, um, what is it, the first union center now? Or Wells Fargo? That arena has changed its names more times than than I don't even know. However, I think that, um, again, just have to wait and see, but I'm interested to see if, with this Philadelphia group, who the ownership group is going to be. Because... Everyone would always love it for be for it to be like Comcast Sports or the people who own the Spectrum, which is the arena, I think, still now. That group, like the Flyers and all that. If that's the group, awesome. Because that's the ideal, right? That's, that's the model we're all trying to get towards. Arena or NHL-owned teams buying National Lacrosse League teams. So we'll have to wait and see. Moving back north of the border, the 2017 Man Cup is just days away. And are you excited as I am? Because I, I don't know who's going to win this. I have some thoughts. I have some ideas. But I'm just not sure I'm sold on either one being right. Six Nations was put away easily by Peterborough in five games. The Shamrocks also put away fairly easily by New Westminster. And both teams have had a fantastic rest. And that is going to be huge. Going into this Man Cup is rest. New West went through an incredible seven-game series with Maple Ridge. Won it in double OT. And then we're able to use that momentum to put away Victoria in five. Peterborough was put to the test in their series with Brooklyn. And then they were able to get through six nations in five games. So instead of having to play late into the summer leading up to the Man Cup, both teams have had, will have almost two weeks off before playing their first Man Cup game. And that can only lead to better lacrosse. Fresh bodies, heal up all those injuries. And it's supposed to possibly rain over on the mainland next week. And if that does happen, it could cool the air down a little bit and not make it as hot and sweaty inside QPA, which um, as a fan is awesome because that is one hot lacrosse barn. But for players, um, when it's not as hot, you get less floor wipes doesn't break up the momentum of the game as much, and you can start to get some flow, and that will lead 
to better lacrosse as well. If you're a Peterborough Lakers fan, you'll be happy to know that Adam Jones is doing everything in his power to be there for the entire series. Uh, If you remember two years ago in 2015 when Peterborough came out, uh, he only was able to play the first two games, uh, and then he had to go back as he was starting his teaching job at school in Owen Sound. Uh, The article by Mike Davies in the Peterborough Examiner says that Jones will be here, and he's hoping to be here for the entire week uh, and will be playing in every game possible. The backup goaltender, Matt Vince, uh, unsure about him, he as well is a teacher, but uh, Evan Kirk has been their number one for the Lakers most of the year, so that's not as much of a hurt as losing Adam Jones would have been. But if they can keep Vino and Jones in the lineup, dressing every game, that's a huge boost to the Peterborough Lakers squad. Curtis Dixon, probably one of the best players of this generation, is still looking for that elusive Man Cup title. He had a chance two years ago when Peterborough lost to Victoria. He's been chomping at the bit to get back, and you know that he's itching to come out west and take another shot at it. I caught up with him earlier on Tuesday to talk about the series with Six Nations, moving on to the Man Cup. And the first question I asked him, was that series against Six Nations where the Lakers won four games to one as easy as it looked? No, it's, it's, it was a, you know, it was uh, a lot harder than it looked, obviously. Putting them out in five games was huge for us, but at the same time, each, every one of those games could have gone either way. I think um, I think we outscored them something like nineteen to four in the in the third period of all the games. So yeah, um, you know, going into the third period, all those games were up in the air, and you know, our defense and goaltending was lights out. So it's another deal. Lots of we got them to thank a lot for the outcome, obviously. Obviously, you know, the National Cross League four quarters that late second half push is huge, but. For you guys, talking about that third period, what's the most important thing for you guys mentally as you go into those third, third periods trying to put a team like Six Nations away? Uh, you know what? It's, I mean, offensively, knowing the guys you have uh, yeah. in the back end and the goaltending you have is obviously a, a huge confidence piece going into any game. You know, you're not going to be forced to have to put up, you know, 14, 15 goals to win games. So, um, especially with, you know, the way our transition was, they, you know, they were putting up three, four goals against us as well. So, that was, a, that was a massive factor, and we knew we just had to keep it close, uh, especially heading into the third period, and you know, we gave ourselves a chance. So we were able to do that pretty much every game in the series, which is, I think, why we were able to you know, get them out in five. Jonesy was telling Mike Davis in the Peterborough paper the other day that you know, it was huge to get goals from, from Zach Currier and Thomas Hogarth and, and the guys out of the back end. I think you had four D goals. How important is your back end transition game to the success of your club? It's massive. It's, uh, like I said, it takes a lot of pressure off our offense. Um, you know, we're a more offensive by committee and, um, anytime, you know, let's get, uh, I mean, you know, you play it anytime the transition guys get a goal, that gets the team so fired up yeah. and, um, you know, big, big goals in the third period in game five there. You know, Brocky had one hoax, had a goal, like you said, and career had two. So that's, uh, that's pretty much half our goals of the game right there. So those guys, um, you know, defensively and transitionally, they, you know, they, they pick the team up and we need it most. For fans that may have not seen Zach Courier play, how talented is he? A prospective top three pick in the NFL draft in September. He, he's unbelievable. I've never really seen him play a whole lot either, but um, you know, his speed and, and his skill set, he could easily be playing on the offensive end. So he's, uh, he's a phenomenal talent, and 
um, you know, whatever team's fortunate enough to get him in the NFL draft is going to be very, very pleasantly, uh, you know, surprised with yeah. what he can what he can bring to the table, especially if you know in the you know setting with the uh, you know the big floors and the bigger nets that he's going to thrive. It's it's a very loud gym you're at, Curtis. People <laughs> people clanging and banging the weights around there. I guess. Sorry, I got Jake Withers next to me here too. He's he's doing making most of the noise. Uh, Scotty Rogers isn't there throwing weights around, is he? No, no, that was, you'd definitely be able to hear him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned the offense uh, of your team. Uh, obviously, yourself, Sean Evans, uh, Adam Jones are three of the, the big names that people will recognize. But having Jonesy there uh, as this reporter is going to be huge for you guys. Absolutely. You know, two years ago, obviously, Victoria, we we missed him. Um, yeah. I think, I think he played the first two games. You know, and missed the rest due to work, but he is uh, he's there for the long haul this year, which is which is huge for us. He was, he scored so many big goals in the in the final series there for us. And um, you know, he's just takes a lot of pressure off, off everybody else in the offense as well. So having him there is uh, is gonna be a massive help for us for the series for sure. That that man cup in Victoria, what did you learn from that being your first experience on the national championship stage? Just how much of a grind it is. You know, I yeah. you don't you don't realize I mean you're playing I think it was six games in, in five or six days or in uh, six or seven days that we ended up playing and um you know the way you need to take care of your body and you know you haven't done that since minor lacrosse when you used to play you know six seven games in, in a weekend for tournament yeah. so it's uh it's definitely a grind and you, you know it's not gonna be easy you can't go and take anybody lightly and um you just gotta take it one game at a time and if you lose a game so what so be it um and you know, that's just the mindset you have to go in but, was there a, a part of you maybe secretly hoping Maple Ridge was going to win the West? <laughs> you know what? Not really, because uh, <laughs> obviously played in that barn before, and yeah, um, just uh, <laughs> you know what the wood. I think the wood floor is a lot better than the concrete, and um, you know it's, it's Queens Park. You can't really beat a, a venue like that, especially for a Man Cup. I remember going to games and, and watching them back in '09. Yeah, uh, the last time I was there, and it's a pretty cool atmosphere. So hopefully, they'll be able to pack it and, and get it back to like it was then. What do you uh, know? What do you guys know about this new West team that uh, you know had a long semifinal series of seven games, but uh, much like you guys, kind of were able to put away the finals with a bit of ease? Yeah, you know what? Obviously, it's, it's a good team. They beat the, the defending champs, and then you know the perennial, perennial powerhouse uh, Victoria kind of you know, like I said, put them out in five games. So they've always obviously got some talent uh, on that team and you know we know you recognize the names on offense probably Shots, Jones and, and um, you know the defensive end same thing I got you know Hosty and and um, Hodgson have been playing against those guys for years and yeah. obviously obviously Blue Cage playing well they got a good goalie tandem just like we do so it's uh, you know it's, it's, it's going to be interesting and then fun playing against a new opponent but uh, at the same time, you know, we got to you know, watch film and, and figure figure out, uh, you know, a way to beat those guys. They're, they're the WLA champs, and, and they're there for a reason. So it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. You guys head out Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, Thursday morning, at least. So we're going to go Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Well, what's the plan? Uh, quick practice, get yourselves adjusted, and then uh, get down to business? Yeah, that's – I mean, we've had, obviously, some time off, which is nice. I remember mm-hmm. two years ago when, when we came out to Victoria, I think we we be – we beat Six Nations in Game Seven, and then we had about 24 hours off, and we're on a flight yeah. to Victoria. So we've had a, a week and a bit off here, which has been nice, and um, you know, rest up and, and get healthy. And yeah, we'll head out Thursday. I think we practice Thursday night, and maybe have a little shoot around Friday morning, and get it started Friday night. 
what would it mean to you um, to come out and, and win a man cup and add that to your resume? That's uh, it would mean the world. Obviously, yeah. two years ago, still sitting in the back of everybody's mind, and um, all the guys that were here last year, the heartbreak of you know losing in seven and six nations up to the way the series started. So it it's, uh, it means a lot to a lot of guys, uh, not just myself, but it would be it would be huge getting a, you know. Getting getting that man cop that would put me even with my old man. He's got one. So <laughs> I can I can shut him up for a little bit anyway. So yeah. Uh, and you know being able to do it against his alma mater as well, and, and my own obviously for the year junior as well. So yes, yeah. uh, the whole the whole setting would be pretty cool getting to do it in front of my family. People already hitting me up for tickets. Oh yeah, that's uh, all my buddies and, and and family members and people I haven't talked to in years. So it's, uh, <laughs> the woodwork coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's. Uh, no, it's going to be going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially well, on the mainland, obviously yeah. on the island last time around. So it's all closer to home this time around. Well, my friend, I don't want to keep you from uh, the dedication of the gym, uh, Clang and Bangham, and uh, uh, safe travels and best of luck. And I know it's going to be one heck of a man cup. Beauty. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it, buddy. There's Superman Curtis Dixon of the Peterborough Lakers as he was at the gym working out, getting himself, keeping himself actually in tip-top shape. Uh, when I talked to him, he said he was there with uh, Jake Withers working out. Uh, Jake will be one of the prospective draft picks in the upcoming National Lacrosse League draft, which gets going the Monday after the Man Cup on September 18th. The Combine uh, are the two days before on the Saturday and the Sunday, so um, Jake may not even be there for the Combine if the Man Cup goes the distance. That would mean that it would end on the Saturday the 16th, so... Uh, he probably wouldn't be at a lot of the NLL Combine, but that's okay. A lot of those GMs will be keeping an eye on uh, the Man Cup through Playful Screen, keeping an eye on some of the talent that's out there, but most of them will be at the Toronto Rock Athletic Center for the Combine on the 16th and 17th, the draft going on the 18th. We'll go heavy on the draft next week, uh, as well as touch base on the Man Cup as well. Um, just some National Cross League news and notes before we get out of here. Uh, the Calgary Roughnecks signed Tyson Bell to a two-year deal. New England uh, signed Mark Cockerton to a one-year deal. And Cockerton's been a bit of an um, interesting NLL draft prospect. He was the sixth overall pick in the 2014 draft by the Black Wolves. He got in to 13 games, had 28 points, and then he was picked up by Rochester the year later, played one game, had a goal, that was it, and didn't play at all last year. So... Uh, back into the fold for the New England Black Wolves goes Mark Cockerton. So it'll be interesting to see if he can make the jump and spend another long year with the Black Wolves. The Bandits signed Bryce Brochu and Brody Tutton to one-year deals. And we talked last week about uh, the Georgia Storm trading Reed Acted to the Buffalo Bandits in exchange for a conditional sixth-round selection. So, not a lot going on player movement-wise uh, as GMs are really focusing on the draft and trying to figure out who they're going to pick, uh, if they're going to trade up, trade down, or whatever it may be. But there was some interesting news um, elsewhere uh, throughout the lacrosse world. Um, the Baltimore Indoor Lacrosse League and the PSL got together uh, to play a bit of a scrimmage game uh, before a Baltimore Brigade AFL game. Uh, the PSL is the Premier Series League. And basically what this was was just a tester, just to see if there was any buzz around the Baltimore area for maybe a return of the NLL. 
Larry Fila was one of the main people involved in bringing this game to fruition and getting all things going. Uh, you can go to YouTube and you can watch the whole game if you want. It's just unfortunate there was nobody there. And you can't really get much of a buzz or a pulse to see if people want the game back when there's really nobody at the game. They did it prior to the football game. Um, even late in the lacrosse game, there still weren't a lot of people in the stands. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what came of that or what comes of that. I would love to see the NLL back in Baltimore. It was one of the best atmospheres in the old MILL with the Baltimore Thunder. My brother-in-law, Jeff Gumbar, uh, was a goalie for the Thunder, and I always uh, bust his chops because the announcer there, whenever he made a save, the announcer would get on the mic and he'd say, Save Gumbar! Possession Thunder! It was awesome. I still think I have the game tape of the MILL final between Baltimore and Detroit. One of the greatest, one of the best games I've seen. It was it was phenomenal, that game. Uh, Ted Swicky and Gumbar going back and forth between the goals. Uh, the Gates were playing. Doddridge was in the game. Um, Peter Park was playing for, for Detroit at the time. Uh, what a fantastic, fantastic scene it was. So I would love to see uh, Baltimore back in the league. But um, So that was an interesting look to see what might be going on uh, for future endeavors for the National Lacrosse League. Um, the Arena Lacrosse League is going to play a quote-unquote young guns game ahead of the NLL Combine uh, next weekend. So another opportunity for maybe some guys that aren't fresh out of college were playing in the ALL. Uh, a chance for them to show NLL scouts and GMs an opportunity at what they can do. Uh, so that will be taking place at the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre uh, just before the Combine kind of gets going. So another again, another opportunity for some young players to get their faces and their names uh, in front of some National Lacrosse League GMs. And the latest news that just kind of came across my phone searching through Facebook, um, the PLPA uh, will return Peter Schmitz, Dave Suckamore, G. Nash, and Johnny Rosa as their executive officers through 2020. Um, and that's a group of guys that have been leading the PLPA for a number of years, 25 years for the PLPA. Um, Schmitz and Suckmore have been the driving force behind it. G. Nash and, and Johnny Rose have been sort of the fresh blood of the PLPA, just trying to do everything they can to make sure the players are taken care of, um, both on and off the floor, uh, through contracts, through the CBA, um, all the little things that you never really think about from missed work pay to travel pay to per diem, all those things go into... Uh, making sure all the players are happy, being reimbursed for um, travel, being reimbursed for uh, medical expenses like rehab or treatment or whatever it may be, doctor's visits. Uh, the PLPA does a ton of work behind the scenes. So uh, good to see that those four guys are back leading the charge for the players and the Players Association. That's going to about do it. Can't really think of... Much else going on in the lacrosse world. We give a big shout-out to the U15s from BC on winning the national championship. Shout-out to the Miners for winning the Prezi. And we have one championship left, and it gets going on Friday night. The cool thing about when the Man Cup is, and it's also helped that Thursday night NFL football has kind of become a thing, is that the Man Cup is bookended by the opening of the NFL season. Thursday night football happens, 
And then the Man Cup gets Friday and Saturday all to itself. And then the first day off is the Sunday opener of NFL football. And that was always one of the days you look forward to when you're playing in a Man Cup because it was a day off. You could relax, definitely let the body feel some ice, and watch a whole lot of football. So you can tell the Man Cup is here because the NFL season is just a few days away. I'm going to say Salmon Bellies in six. I was leaning towards the Lakers earlier, um, but I'm going to ride the Salmon Belly train and say Lakers in six. I'll be doing some game recaps for the WLA and the CLA on all the games. Uh, I might try to get over to a game or two if I can. A lot of busy stuff going on the island, so not always easy to get over there. But if you are going, just remember that it's festival seating. And what that means is, unless you're a season ticket holder, it's every man for himself. So uh, get there early. Gates will open about an hour before game time. Game times are 7.30, so doors will be around 6.30. Uh, Make sure you get your seat and prepare for some incredible action. My name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We'll talk Man Cup. We'll talk NLL Draft next week. And maybe, just maybe, another National Lacrosse League team. I have a hunch. But until then, thanks to Steve Govett. Thanks to Curtis Dixon. And as always, thanks to you, the loyal listener, for checking out Another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast right here on SoundCloud. Until next week, take a friend to a game. If you take a friend, take two. The more friends you have, the more fun you'll have too. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, be excellent to each other.